0: The lighting, I always think it brings magic to a project and it's important to provide some serious consideration to the lights that you choose and how you're going to create that magic. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well hello renovators, it's Bernadette back today with a solo episode and I'm going to be talking about lighting. So if you're planning a renovation for profit or a renovation on your own home or a renovation on an investment property, this episode is for you. So basically what I'm going to be doing is demystifying all those measures or metrics that you see when you are choosing lighting and you have no idea what they mean, the numbers, and then talking about how we approach the lighting plan in a renovation for profit. So remember, this is the real world guide. I am not a lighting specialist, but I have done quite a bit of lighting in my time and this is how I go about it. So, before I get into that, this episode is sponsored by the School of Renovating Wonder Women, which provides training, mentoring, community, and joint venture opportunities for creative women wanting to replace their income with renovating and Airbnb, either now or at retirement. But also, if you want to know more about our Wonder Women program, you can download our Wonder Women magazine at www.theschoolofrenovating.com Wonder Women, spelled W O N D E R W O M E N. Okay, so today we are talking about lighting, and it is a really important part of the renovation process. So the lighting, I always think it brings magic to a project, and it's important to provide some serious consideration to the lights that you choose and how you're going to create that magic. Now, before I get into the actual the design part of it, I want to talk to you about all the numbers and the letters that you see when you are buying lighting. So there's four things that I want to talk about. The CRI, the Lumen, the Wattage, and the Kelvin. Now, in the past, we have had, mainly had incandescent lights and halogens. Now I have to tell you, I hate halogen lights with a passion. I think they're the blowflies of the lighting industry. They are thankfully being phased out as we move closer to a much lower energy option. In the low energy, in broad terms, in low energy options, we have the LED lights, which are the very best. Then there are compact fluoros, which are very good, but not the best. And then the next one down is halogen. So where you might normally have selected a 100-watt globe and known that was going to be the right for your room, there's a few more things that you need to consider. Now, there's a thing called the CRI which is the color rendering index. And basically what that tells you is how true to color the light is. So if you were to put a bowl of fruit under your light, how true to color would that fruit be? Now we didn't have to worry about in that in days gone by because we had mainly incandescent light and incandescent light is around 100 CRI which is the absolute best that you can get. So now that we're moving to other options that's something that we need to consider. Now a good CRI level is 80 or above so the range goes from 0 to 100 and a good one is around 80 but if you can get it over 90 that's much better. So you want the CRI to be over 90 and 100 is perfect. And it's important to consider when we were replacing the lights in our home, we used uh, a company called, well, a brand called Bright Green Lights. Mainly because they have an excellent CRI level. They're great lights as well, don't have a huge range because we were mainly using track lighting and downlights that worked out quite well. And we're also using bright green downlights in, well, doing surface mounted downlights in the Darlinghurst project. So check the CRI level. So now in terms of wattage, since we have moved away from incandescent globes, I wouldn't worry about the wattage because that just talks about how much energy it takes to use for the light to glow. But I will refer to the old 100 watt, 75 watt and 60 watt just to give you an idea of the level of light that you're going to have. Now, but uh, we're not talking about wattage, but what we do talk about is lumen. And lumen is the brightness of the light. So if in the past you like to use a 100-watt globe in a room, then you're going to be looking for something that provides around 1,600 lumen. If you want to have around 75 watts, you're going to be looking at around 1,100 lumen. 60 watts, you want 800 lumen, and 40 watts, you want 450 lumen. Yes. Yeah, so as I say, don't worry about watts anymore. When you're buying an LED globe, look at what the lumen level is. Now, we're going to include a quick reference guide with the show notes this week, and you will find that in our She Renovates Free Membership portal If you're not a member, it's very easy to sign up and it gives you access to all the resources and the notes from every episode we have ever created. Now, okay, so we've talked about wattage, we've talked about lumen, we've talked about CRI level. The only other thing to consider, and this is an important aspect, is the Kelvin, and that's the warmth of the globe or the light. If you want to have a warm, cosy environment, you're going to go for a low level, around 2,700. If you want it to be really cold and clinical, you'll go for around 6,500. That's very chilly. So the range is between those two factors. Now, I like to have a cool um, light in the kitchen and the bathroom because I think in areas where we want them to be really clinically clean, that's appropriate to have a cool light globe in there. However, I am noticing that it is hard to get lights that have a cool light, that have a cool globe in them. Most tend towards the warmer globes and warm light is perfect for bedrooms and living areas. The other thing that you want to make sure is that you are using in an area that you're using consistently the same warmth because if you have mostly cool but one warm, it will look like there's something wrong. And so that means if you've got an open kitchen living, I you really can't have cool in the kitchen and warm in the living. It just doesn't work. Having that those different temperatures and the light look wrong so you need to be consistent. Okay, so as I said, there will be a guide to help you navigate your light buying. So when you are planning out the lights for your reno, I'm going to just talk through a few tips on what type of lights to choose and what to put where. And the first thing I want to say is try and be consistent in your type of light. We choose paint colours and keep it consistent throughout the property Choose a colour for your lighting and keep that consistent as well. Now, it's fine to have a feature light that contrasts. That's fine. But in all your general lighting, be as consistent as possible. If you are using a metal in your light, then make sure that you're using the same metal throughout. Don't have chrome in one room and brass in another. That will just look like very unresolved. So consistency is key. Now in terms of your project, you want to think about three main types of lighting. We're talking about general or ambient light, which as the name suggests, is just the way the rooms are lit generally. Then we'll talk about task lighting. And then the third type of lighting is accent lighting. Now all three types of lighting are very important. Of course, you need to have a well-lit room. You need the task lighting really makes living for the inhabitants much easier. And then the accent lighting gives you the wow you want to think about your lighting as layering it. So starting with your general, then bringing in the sharper focus task lighting, and then layering over the accent lighting to highlight different areas. Firstly, let's talk about general lighting. So the natural tendency for most builders and renovators is to go down the downlight path. Now, personally, I'm not in love with downlights and the main reason is that you tend to, if you replace, say, a pendant light with a downlight, while the downlights themselves won't be overly expensive, you're actually installing four lights in place of one. So it does have the potential to put unnecessary stress on your budget. So I certainly wouldn't be considering down lights all through unless I had a good reason to do that. Often you can use a pendant light in a bedroom and also use that to add some wow to the design. The other thing is that in apartments you're often challenged by the fact that the ceiling is concrete. And so chasing the ceiling can be, well, really often is not possible. And so in that scenario, we often use track lighting. And thankfully, most styles of lighting come in ranges. So where you might use track lighting in one area, surface mounted downlights in another, you're able to keep it consistent with the same style. I really like the surface-mounted downlights that you can get at the moment, the drum-style downlights. I think they're really nice. But the name of the game is to make sure that you have adequate lighting to light up the areas. And, of course, the paint colours that you choose will help this. And so you just want a really general background ambient light. The next type of lighting you want to think about is your task lighting. Now, this will be in areas where specific tasks are being performed, such as over the kitchen bench, over the kitchen sink, near the cooktop, in the bathroom, at the vanity. Maybe you might have a reading corner that might need some specific task lighting. And this is where you can get a little bit creative downlights and directional downlights are a really good way of providing really focused task lighting. Another thing that I didn't mention when I was talking about the different things that you consider when choosing lighting is the angle of the beam. So how focused? Is it a narrow angle or is it a wide angle? And to really determine whether it's going to achieve the outcome you want. So if you go for a really narrow angled beam, that you're going to get a beam, a sharp beam of light in a specific spot. Is that what you want? Or do you want something that's a bit more broader and softer? Something that I often do is do a series of pendants. So over our kitchen bench, I think I mentioned we have uh, bright green lights. I did five Actually, no, they're not pendants. They're down lights, track lights. I did five track lights over the kitchen bench so we had adequate lighting in the area where we work. And the other thing is to make sure that the lighting is actually positioned over the bench and not over your head when you're working there because what happens is you actually block out the light. So you want to think about how that light is going to reach the work area. Same with the bathroom. Something that I really love is that having lights around the mirror that shine back on the face of the person using the vanity. So for putting on makeup, for shaving, all those things that happen in the bathroom, really important to have really good lighting. Otherwise, the consequences might not be too pretty. And then we move on to accent lighting, and that's when the fun begins. So with your ambient lighting, you really only notice it when it's it's not done well. Whereas the accent lighting is where you add some wow to your renovation. And some of it is more subtle than others. So things like when we renovated a studio that had an ornate ceiling, we actually put up light lights on the top of the cabinets onto the ceiling to really highlight the beautiful um, plaster work in the ceiling. As I've mentioned lots of times before, I absolutely love LED strip lighting and that's a great way of adding both accent and task lighting. So running it under cabinets, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, under kickers, in the kitchen, under stair treads, there's lots of places that you can bring some accent lighting and just take your reno up a notch. So you can do wall washers. So basically what that is, a, a light that is directed over the wall, it might be to feature a piece of art or plant, whatever the thing is that you're trying to highlight, but it just adds a level, a layer to your lighting. But it's pendants that I absolutely love. I think pendants are a great way of adding some character to your renovation. And one of the things that I really love to do is have a pendant, in, use a pendant for an area that I think lacks style or lacks the wow. And I mentioned in earlier episodes with our Arncliffe project the kitchen was pretty ordinary and we needed to take it up a notch because it was the first thing you saw when you stepped in the door and we did a bit of chewing and froing with the lights that we chose but in the end we ended up with quite about a 600 diameter LED ring light and that did the trick. So the minute you stepped in the door, that's what you saw and it just... It, basically said, this is a really stylish home. One thing about pendants that you must be careful about is do not hang them too high. Electricians have got this thing about hanging pendants too high and they look silly. And if you want to get drama with your pendant, you've got to lower it. Now, of course, their excuse or reason is always, oh, you can't hit your head on it. But a door height is 2040, that's a standard door height. So my argument is it can at least be two metres off the floor and still be fine, no risk of anyone hitting the head. But over a bench or an island, I would hang it much lower or over a table because you really want to create that drama. So I tend to hang them at about 700 mil above the bench or the island and even lower at a table because you are then sitting. And so that means it's about 1.6 metres off the floor. Because it's centred over the bench, nobody can hit their head unless they lean across, and if they do, well, sorry, bad luck. But we want to get the impact from the pendant light, and that's how you do it. So other areas where pendants work really well, like chandelier in the stairwell. I love pendants in the bedroom. I love pendants in the hallway. Actually, I love pendants everywhere. However, like if I was putting a statement piece in an open plan kitchen living, I would have that statement piece and all the other lights be very invisible. So very simple and that don't make an impact in terms of aesthetically so that you're pendant has its time to shine. The other thing that you can do is get creative with your lighting and this is something that I've done a few times. Our family for a few years had this tradition of doing DIY at Christmas time so we all had to make something and so the competition was on to up the ante. So one year I got my son-in-law and I made him a pair of pendant lights made out of the glass insulators that you get off power lines. So they were really beautiful. They were green glass and they had those Edison, the old Edison screw uh, light globes in them and the old corded cabling. And they were remarkable. And fortunately, We have an electrician that lives over the road from us, so he gets called on quite a bit to do little wiring jobs in order for us to be able to achieve our lighting outcomes. The other DIY project we did was we had dinner at at the, I think it's called the Ovalo at Woolamaloo. And they had these magnificent, huge industrial chandeliers that Stephen and I both loved. Couldn't find them anywhere, so we decided to make them. And one of our students and her husband, Maria and Ed Burwood, have a light importing business. And so they found me sort of the basis of it. It was one of those spider lights at a lighting show. And so what I did was got a, I think it was 1.2 metre circular hoop fabricated, A metal fabricator with with the holes punched into it for the cords to go through, and so Stephen and I assembled it, and then we just took it over to the road to John O, and he actually wired it up. So Stephen and I assembled it, and then we took it over the road to our neighbouring electrician who wired it up. And then when we were getting our lights installed, it was a different electrician that installed our lights that was hung and it still hangs there today. And I still love it as much as I did the day I first put it in. But the minute people walk into our house, they look at that light and say, wow. So that's really what a statement pendant is about. We also made a smaller version for the factory floor downstairs. So I'll include some photos in the show notes because they're pretty spectacular. Simple, but good. Now, if you're on a really tight budget with your lighting, you have to get creative as well. Make sure that you've got trade accounts with your light suppliers because that will save you a significant amount of money, at least 25% of the retail price. Another thing that I've done is gone to Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace and bought lights that people have decided they don't like anymore. When we were doing the Rennie Street project, I bought an absolutely gorgeous Kappa's shell chandelier. West Elm brand, which if I bought it new would have cost me probably about eight hundred dollars, but I paid I think it was one hundred and fifty dollars for it, and just got my electrician to check it, wire it in, and it looked beautiful. Make sure you get the wow with your lighting. Now I could go on about smart lighting and C bus systems, but what I'm going to talk to you about is something that James, our marketing guru, gave me and I, it's just blown me away. So basically, Philips produce some lights. I think the Philips Hue is in this range, but basically they're globes, and when you install them, you can connect them to a an app in your phone, and you can dim them, you can change the colour, and they're all operated from an app in your phone so in the past if you wanted dim lights you needed to install dimmers and dimming globes and it was a bit of a carry-on so now you can operate them all on your phone and you can even connect them up into your google home so the lighting system is called connect smart home and it's very cost effective oh they're about 15 dollars a globe comes with pretty clear setup instructions and works with Google and Alexa, and has Australian and New Zealand plugs. And so it basically means that you control your lighting level and the colour at the tip of your fingers in an app in your phone. And you can get all sorts of configurations. You can get downlights, you can get strip lighting, you can get normal globes that go into lamps. So check it out. Look out for them. Okay, so that's it for me for today. If you haven't done and you've got a minute, I'd really love you to come over to the Apple Podcast platform or whatever platform you are listening to this um, episode on, and um, leave us a review. If you've got some ideas on things you'd like us to talk about, then I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so that's it from me today. See you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast.